Let's take our Bibles, turn again to Hebrews 11. You, you probably knew that already. And uh, one of these days, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to, I'm going to teach something totally different and not be in Hebrews 11. And uh, you think this is the only chapter I know. And, uh, and I don't know it. Every time I look at even going back through these notes, I've taught much of this before, um, you just see more things in the Scriptures. Amen? And that's the wonderful thing about your Bible. Uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We as believers, I, I honestly believe this, that the, the biggest challenge we have day by day, for those of us that are in church, we, we, we read our Bible, we pray, we are what most people would call a good Christian. Our biggest challenge is to not walk by sight. Because for most of us, we get it all figured out. We know what Bible to carry, we know how to dress, we know what kind of church to go to. Uh, most of us have, our finances are okay, we're doing okay, we're not starving. So we can handle it. But the Bible says in Romans 1.17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The challenge of these lessons is to look in the lives of these, these Bible characters, these heroes of the faith, and realize in honesty they weren't heroes. They were just ordinary believers that had faith. And the things that we see God do in their lives, He can do in ours. And if God were going to write another portion of Scripture and do another Hebrews 11, would your name be listed? Would God be able to find something about your life that He could show to generations to come, this is their faith? That's the challenge. And as we, we've looked at all the different characters, and last week uh, we looked at, or two weeks ago, I think, was it last week? Two weeks ago. We looked at uh, the, the parents of Moses. And uh, in the next lesson, we'll actually come back and address them a little bit more. Uh, but this morning, we're going to come to verse number 24. Uh, and we'll read down through verse number 28. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assigned to do were drowned. We'll look this morning at the life of Moses, lessons of faith from the life of Moses. I don't know how many parts this one will be. Um, in fact, I've struggled a little bit with how to do this one because I've got the, we're going to use the outline that God gives us. And if you're looking for the outline, it's pretty easy to see. Verse 24, he refused. Verse number 25, choosing. Uh, so we got his refusing, his choosing, esteeming. Verse number 26, and it's forsaking at verse number 27. I love it when the Bible outlines itself. I'm not one of those that's really good at doing the alliterated outlines. You know, pastor does it without even thinking. I have to go get my thesaurus out. You know what one of those are, right? Most people don't use them anymore. Uh, you just look it up on Google. But uh, I get my thesaurus out and try to find the word. I'll often call my daughter Becky, the English teacher. Becky, I need a, I need a word that starts with it, whatever letter. That means this, you know. All right, Dad, I'll get back to you. You know, I just... I know English, 
Uh, it's a foreign language to me. But anyway, but this passage, that's the easy outline. And the lesson we're going to do this morning is from that outline. But there's another part of it that actually precedes that that we'll get to next time. Uh, and I've really struggled with which order to do them in. Uh, but because it'll be a few weeks before we get back to it, we're going to do the one that you're expecting. All right. Uh, as we look here at the life of Moses, in fact, let's pray. We haven't done that yet. Father, I pray you'd help us as we study and I pray you'd give me clarity of thought and uh, just help me to say what you want said this morning. Thank you for people that care enough about your word to come to Sunday school. I pray you'd make it a profitable time. May, it be, may something be said from your word. May a, may a point be made. May a scripture be read that will help each of us this week to walk more by faith than we did last week. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, Moses is one of the key characters of, of Bible history. Let me just say this about, um, about the United States. I love it when you stand in the Capitol building. Anybody ever been in the House of Representatives, the, 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 where the Congress meets? And you stand where the speaker stands, and you look up, and all around the wall there are, there are lawmakers. There are, there are carvings of the side of their face of a lawgiver, famous ones throughout history. But as you stand there as the speaker and look straight ahead, the one that's looking right at you is Moses. I, I just, I love that. And, uh, of course, they don't show that when they show the, you know, the president standing there. But uh, he's one of the key characters. It's during his lifetime, think about this, that God fulfilled his promise to Abraham. It was then that the, the children of Israel went from being a family to being a nation. You talk about a time of transition. They had not been a nation until they left Egypt. So during the life of Moses, we see God fulfilling his promise. When Joseph and his family were in Egypt, God began the process. As they multiplied, that family multiplied into a, uh, a large group of people that God would then, as they traveled out of Egypt to the promised land, turn them into a great nation. After the death of Pharaoh, another Pharaoh rose up that did not know Joseph. He had not personally experienced the miraculous hand of God in their nation. Isn't it amazing, even in America, we've seen the blessings of God, but how quickly we forget it. We've seen His protection, we've seen His provision, but when we become prosperous, we forget who did that to us in the first place. The new Pharaoh had not dealt with Joseph on a daily basis. He didn't see the blessings of God the same way. The new Pharaoh feared the children of Israel because they began to grow in number. He viewed them as a threat, that they would take over his kingdom. And so he was worried they were going to lose their, their, their slaves and their workers. Then soon everything for the children of Israel changed. They had gone from being the privileged people of society. You understand under Joseph, his family was protected by the king. Now they had become public enemy number one. How quickly things change. It looked hopeless. And that's when God stepped in. And by the way, that's what God likes to do. Just when it looks like there's no hope, there's no way, God says, oh yeah, watch this. I've been thinking all week of, of, of a song. And you say, you're going to sing it? I probably will. Uh, some of you might know it. God delivers again. Oh my God delivers again. When it seems that all is lost, he reaches down his hand. Then all the forces of evil 
turn and flee at His command. Just when things look hopeless, my God delivers again. The first verses standing there at the Red Sea, God's people began to complain. Soon Pharaoh and his mighty army will take us in bondage again. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, old Moses cried. Then God parted the waters and they walked to the other side. Sing it with me. God delivers again. Oh, my God delivers again. When it seems that all is lost, he reaches down his hand. Then all the forces of evil turn and flee at his command. Just when things look hopeless, my God delivers again. I like the second verse. We'll never bow to your idol, the Hebrew children proclaimed. So the king gave the command to throw them into the flame. The king said, did we not cast three men into that furnace bound? I see four men loose in the flames, unhurt and walking around. Sing it. God delivers again. Oh, my God delivers again. When it seems that all is lost, he reaches down his hand. Then all the forces of evil turn and flee at his command. Just when things look hopeless, my God delivers again. That's what our God does. And the story of Moses is God doing that. When the children of Israel thought it was all over, God stepped on the scene. Look at verse 24 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We read that and we just pass over that. You need to take some time to think about where Moses came from. We, we talked about two weeks ago in the lesson that his parents hid him from the king. Why did they have to do that? Because he, he, they were commanded to drown him in, in the Nile River. Uh, they, were, they weren't allowed to have any more baby boys. Uh, it was post-birth abortion. We talked about that two weeks ago. It's exactly what was going on. Sad that America has become that pagan. He had been adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, he'd been raised and treated as Pharaoh's grandson. It means he grew up in a palace. He wasn't treated as a slave. He knew wealth and power. He had position and authority. But verse 24 says, By faith, when he, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He did not want to be known as an Egyptian. He said, I'm a Hebrew. His refusing. Uh, he did not want to be associated with the society that was against God. I'm afraid too many of us as believers, we're comfortable with being associated with a society that's against God. You do understand in America, we are in a great cultural war. We live in a country that when it was founded, loved this book. Even people that weren't saved respected the Bible and had a God consciousness about them. And respected the things of God. Then we went to a, a society that accepted all of that. Then we became one that acknowledged it but didn't participate. Now we're in a society that is antagonistic against the things of God. 
Moses did not want to be associated with a society that was against the God of heaven. You know, you go through the scriptures, you see this over and over again. One of my favorite stories this week, as I was thinking about this lesson, it was in, in Gen- Genesis 14, we won't turn there, but Lot and his family, of course, had separated from, from Abraham, and, and they had, Lot had pitched his tent towards Sodom, ended up in Sodom, and, and uh, these, these kings had come in, uh, the king of Shinar and Elassar and, and Elam, and other nations had come and taken them captive and, and carried them away, Lot and his family and all the other people of Sodom and Gomorrah, and taken all the wealth. And Abraham, I love where it says that he armed his own men that were born in his household. <laughs> he got all of his family together, and he taught them how to war. And in Genesis 14, 14, he goes and he delivers Lot and the people of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. He saves their lives and gets all their goods back. The king of Sodom, of course, we know it was a very wicked place. It says in Genesis 14, 21, And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons, the people that you got brought back, and take the goods to thyself. He said, Okay, you rescued us. Give us the people, but you can have all the, all the stuff that was taken, all of the possessions, all the robes, all the gold, the silver. And I love Abraham's response. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. It means he made an oath to God. He made a promise to God that I will not take from a thread even to a shoelace it, that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. He offered Abraham all this wealth. He said, I don't want anything that belonged to Sodom. I belong to God, and I want to keep myself pure. I don't want to be tainted by anything that would cause people to say, well, the reason Abraham's rich is because Sodom made him rich. No, God made me rich. I love that attitude. We are too comfortable around the things of, uh, of this world. Abraham didn't want their goods. He didn't want their wealth. He didn't want their notoriety. He did not want their society. He was careful to live a life that gave all the glory to God and not a worldly king. That's the kind of choice Moses made. I wonder this week, who did you live to please? Did you, did you live a life that garnered attention from the world? Or one that gave you the, the, the blessings of God. He refused. Moses was willing to say no to some things. You know, if you're going to be a person of great faith, you'll have to learn to say no to some stuff. Um, athletes, if they're going to be successful in their athletics, they're going to have to give up some things. They're going to eat differently. They're going to give up time. They're going, to, they're, they're going to spend some time doing some things they wouldn't normally do, and they're going to give up things that aren't wrong in themselves to do, but it does sacrifice the opportunity to do what they want to do on the athletic field. Amen? It was the hardest thing for me when I was playing football, to give up hamburgers. I mean, they just, you know, you got to laugh when I think they're funny. If i got to wait for you, we're going to be here a while, all right? <laughs> His refusing. Look back there in um, Hebrews 11. Verse 24 says, let me get back to it here. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Then notice verse 25, he refused some things, but then he chose some things. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin 
for a season. He refused some things. He said, no, I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to let this world, I'm not going to let Pharaoh taint me. But then he chose. You know, that's what separation's all about. It's not just being separated from the world, but unto Christ. Nuns are separated. You can go be a monk in, 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 you know, in Tibet and be separated from the world and still not be any closer to God because it's a matter of being separated unto Christ. That's the purpose of separation, by the way. It's not so you can brag about how different you are from the world. The whole idea of separation is how close can I get to my God and how much like Him can I be? Moses, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Let me just say this. He didn't just happen to be on the side of the children of Israel. It wasn't fate. It wasn't luck. He made a choice. People, that are great, uh, people of great faith, people that are those that are blessed of God, didn't get there by accident. Moses chose. You ever think about this? it would have been easier for Moses to just be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had it made. He had all the wealth of Egypt. He had position. From the world's view, he was a success story. He's one of those guys they would do a story on on the news. A feel-good story. Here's a guy, he's now, he's in line to be Pharaoh. And where did he come from? Well, they just found him out in the river in a little boat. Can you see the nightly news? I mean, they do a 2020 news special on this. Pharaoh's daughter found him. We don't know where he came from. And now look at him. Look at the success that he had. It would have been easier for Moses to accept that. But he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. He knew the choice that he made was going to cost him something. You ever think about this? Moses didn't have to do anything to remain the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You and I as believers, you don't have to do anything to be like the world. Just don't make a decision to follow Christ. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about in your daily Christian life, it's easier to go with the flow. Moses said that's not right. Yeah, it's easier, but it's not right. All Moses had to do was keep his head down and go with it. And I know some would have thought, well, you know, if he could have waited until he got to be Pharaoh, then he could have had influence. No, you don't do God's work the world's way. We don't need to copy anything from the world. Just follow what God says. Moses, it says, look at verse 25 again, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. For some of you at work, it would be easier for you not to let people know you're a believer. You're going to be faced with situations where the, this, this worldly culture that we're in, this wicked culture, is going to show itself at work. Sin will be presented right in front of you. And it's easier just to ignore it and be quiet than to take a stand. But in Matthew, Jesus said we're not to put our light under a, uh, under a bushel. We're to, let it, we're to put it on a candlestick so it can be seen. We're to be salt in this world. Anybody ever got salt in the cut? Birds. Get your attention. Amen. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to be. 
It irritates. That's what a believer is going to do in a worldly society. It's going to irritate those around them. Yeah. That's what we're called to be. Moses said, I'd rather be that and have the, the problems. You realize his choice made him have to flee the country? But he said, I'd rather do that because I'd rather be with the people of God than with the people of this world. He chose to associate with the people of God. Every day, each one of us faced that same choice. I love what Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15. If it seem, seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Nobody serves the Lord by accident. You have to choose it. Psalm 1, I love Psalm 1, especially verse 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. It's a choice you make every day. You, like Moses, will have to choose to walk by faith or to live by sight. Being the son of Pharaoh's daughter was living by sight. Choosing to suffer afflicts with the people of God, that was walking by faith. He did not know what God was going to do. You understand when he made that choice at 40 years of age, he did not know what God was going to do when he was 80. He had no idea. We'll talk about that in the next lesson. But he, he made a choice. Remember our, our verse from Romans 1.17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, and as, is, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. When Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, when he chose to be associated with the people of God, that was faith. Because he did not know what was going to happen. I don't know that he'd have made that choice if he'd have known for the next 40 years he's going to be on the backside of a desert. I don't know if he'd have made the choice knowing that at 80 he was going to come back to that same household where he lived and challenged Pharaoh. But he made the choice by faith. Look at verse number 26. Oh, we're doing great on time this morning. We only have six more points. I'm kidding. We have three. But anyway, verse number 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. We saw his refusing. We saw his choosing. Now we see his esteeming. What does that mean? To esteem means to place value upon. Moses thought it was, it, it was of greater value to suffer reproach for Christ than to have all the treasures in Egypt. Just think about that. You know, we read that verse, yeah, yeah, he chose to be with God. No, he had the treasures of Egypt. He lived in a palace. He wasn't living like a slave. But he realized being identified with Christ was worth more than wealthy living as an Egyptian. I'd like you to take your Bibles, keep a marker here in Hebrews, but go over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3.
Look at verse number 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, and set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Notice he said right here, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. It's not wrong to have wealth. Not at all. Um, Abraham was a wealthy man. Lot was a wealthy man. There's nothing wrong being wealthy. What's wrong is if you love the wealth more than you love God. And he's saying here, set your affection on things above. We get too wrapped up in getting the things of earth than putting treasures in heaven. You know, sometimes you do something for God, you don't think it, it amounted to anything. You don't know that there was any real, anything accomplished. But you don't know the end of the story. You don't mind, I'll give a personal illustration. One day I was preaching in a missions conference in Sandusky, Ohio. There were several other missionaries there, and I was giving my testimony about where I got saved and where I, at the age of 15, was teaching a Sunday school class, and one of the missionaries, a missionary to Africa, came to me. He said, what years were you at the Troy Baptist Temple in Troy, Ohio? I told him. He said, what years did you teach the class of 9 to 10-year-old boys? I told him. He said, I was in your class. I remember when you became teacher. I'd forgotten the guy's name. He's been in Africa for many years now as a missionary. You know, God will drop one of those on you every once in a while just to remind you, you didn't waste your time. Nobody else may have noticed it, but I did. I love it when God does that. But even if you don't see that, serving God is worthwhile. Moses said, it doesn't matter if it works out well for me. I've got to follow the things of God. Where's your focus? Too many times we get so caught up in the things of this world, things that don't really have any eternal value. But yet that takes all of our time and our treasure and our talent. Well, there's a local church that needs all three of those. That's where our focus ought to be. He chose, rather, he esteemed the reproach of Christ, greater riches. In Colossians 1, just turn back a page, verse number 18. Man, what a great verse. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, and that in all things he might have the preeminence. Most of us don't mind Christ prominent. He's important, but we're not comfortable with Christ preeminent, meaning he's the first in everything. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than anything Egypt had to offer. 1 Peter 2, 7 says, Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. I remember the first time I heard Dr. Lee Robertson preach in person. He preached on that verse. He preached on the thought, is he precious to you? Moses esteemed, he put value on the reproach of Christ as being more important than having the wealth of Egypt. Let me ask you a question. How precious and how valuable is your Christian life? 
to you. Oh, I don't mean you're going to go to heaven, you put your faith in Christ. I'm talking about how valuable is it for you to go day by day walking with God, reading the Word of God, living what you read, witnessing to people, just living for God. How valuable is that to you? The truth is, that's the only thing that really matters. Let's go back to Hebrews 11. It says in verse number 24, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Let me just say this, sin is pleasurable for a season. But then there's payday. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. We're going to get to verse 27, because uh, we're about out of time. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We saw his, his rejection of the things of this world. We saw his choice. We saw his values. But then we see he had to turn his back on some things. He forsook it. That word forsook literally gives the idea, and you'll see in the news every once in a while, somebody will dump a baby in a dumpster. That's exactly the meaning of that word. It, it is now to you, you have no value to it, you turn your back on it, you're going to go the other way. That's what Moses thought of Egypt. That's where he'd grown up. So what do you know? Some of you, you grew up in, maybe you grew up in Catholicism. Maybe you grew up in, in just a different culture. You grew up around the things of the world. But that day you got saved, you realized none of that could give you eternal life. And you turned to Christ, and everything changed. Moses had to turn his back on some things. No longer would he have the prestige that comes with being in, the, in a royal family. Nobody got his name put in the Bible. Hallelujah. No longer would he have the respect of the world. Remember when our good friend, Pastor Doug Fisher, tells a story about when he got saved. He was in the Marine Corps. He was a Marine recon officer. He was climbing the ladder in the Marine Corps. Had a battalion of men that he was responsible for. And then he got saved. He met a street preacher outside of Camp Lejeune. And, got, and he, he got saved. Long story, I wish I had time to tell it. He got saved and he, he, he got plugged into a good, independent, fundamental Bible preaching church. Everything changed. One day his commander came to him and said, Hey, uh, Friday night is the Marine Corps ball. You coming? Well, that's a drunken party is what it is. He said, I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? He said, I'm a, I'm a child of God and I'm a Christian. Christians don't drink. I don't go there. And he looked at him and he said, Fisher, are you telling me you're going to disobey me and not go? He said, are you ordering me to go? He said, well, I can't order you to go. Then I'm not going. His commander said, if you don't go, your career stops now. You'll never get another promotion. He said, that doesn't matter. He didn't go. By the way, he didn't get any more promotions either. Well, he did. For the last 35 years, he's been pastor in San Diego. 
You see, sometimes when you forsake some things, you put value on the things of God, you're going to lose some prestige, some money. You're going to lose some position. Moses was willing to forsake all of that. Let me ask you a question. What has your faith cost you? One thing, we, we have so much comfortable Christianity in this generation. I'm afraid in watching the news, watching our society, it's going to come very soon in America. We're going to have to decide what our faith means to us. In Luke chapter 5, you have the calling of the disciples. In Luke 5, 11, when Jesus was walking by, he told them to follow him. It says, when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Matthew 4, 19 and 20. He said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. We read those verses about the disciples. We're talking about Peter and James and John. When they go, oh, well, you know, they, just, they were out fishing. They just decided to follow Jesus. These were commercial fishermen. They left their business. We get the idea all the disciples were poor. And, no, these were small businessmen. They owned a company with employees. And they walked away from that because they had the faith to follow Christ. Philippians 3, 13, Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. If you're going to be a person of faith, if you're going to be a, a believer that has a life known for your faith, you're going to have to refuse some things. You're going to have to choose some things. You're going to have to esteem, put value on the things of God. You're going to have to forsake the things of the world. There's so much more to this story. We'll get more into it. But just take some time reading back over those verses and contemplate this week the choices Moses made. What a great man of faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the example of this great man, Moses. I pray you'd help us to be willing to make the choices he did. Strengthen our faith this week that we may make a difference in this generation and in those to come. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.